Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about how you might buy some happiness, and we'll do a hack roundup for ideas for taking medication regularly. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, one way our parents helped us to buy some happiness when we were young adults is they'd always pay for us to visit each other. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretchen, I remember mom buying those train tickets. Yeah, college days. That was fun. Mm -hmm. But listen, we're going to be traveling together again a lot soon with our tour. We're going live on tour with Happier Hour with Gretchen and Elizabeth. Yeah, it is so fun to meet everybody um, who comes out. And we have a lot of audience participation, which is our favorite part. All voluntary. Don't worry. This isn't one of those things where they yes. call on you, which I do not like. This is. <laughs> oh, God. No. no, this is audience questions and happiness hacks. If you feel like it, we love hearing from people. And coming up, we have more shows. Chicago, Providence, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. Yes, and Gretchen, we are incredibly excited because on October 12th, we're going to be in Kansas City. Yes, our hometown. We love any excuse to go back to Kansas City, and so we are particularly excited to be going home. Yes. Tickets are now on sale. Go to GretchenRubin.com slash events. For all information, ticket purchases, anything you want, please come bring your friends. We love to see you. And Elizabeth, before we get to the Try This at Home, we wanted to share this great response that we got from a listener. Yes, this comes from Allison. She says, today I was listening to your Happier Labor Day episode and you wanted to know people's mantras. In 2018, my favorite football team traded for a world-class player. When the player's agent was asked why the player chose to come to the new team, he replied that the player wanted to be, quote, maximized, appreciated, and compensated. The words hit me hard, and I suddenly realized why I was so unhappy in my own job. I wasn't feeling any of those things. I adopted maximized, appreciated, and compensated as my work mantra and set out to find a new role that would let me use all my skills, value me as a person and employee, and compensate me fairly. For the last eight months, I have been working at a place that does just that. The interesting twist for me was realizing the different ways I wanted to be valued and compensated as I took a job that paid only slightly more than my last position, but offered a much more flexible working environment that allows me time to travel and recharge in ways that fit me much better. I feel like I owe that agent a commission for helping me out of my rut. This is so fantastic. I mean, that just sort of says it all. Maximized, appreciated, and compensated. And I love the fact that she heard that and immediately it just struck a chord with her. And she's like, that's what's wrong with where I am now. That's what I need to get. And she went out and got it. I mean, it's just great. Yes. And it's so interesting how that the agent was applying those words to an athlete. Yes. But they can translate to any of us, whatever we do. When it's a great example of like happier Labor Day, sometimes yes. stepping back and saying to yourself, is this the situation I want to find myself in? A mantra like that is really helpful in helping you decide like if I, you know, happier Labor Day next year, 
do I want to be here or do I want to be somewhere else? So that's great. So thank you so much, Allison. That's a super helpful mantra. And Gretchen, we have an announcement. We are so excited to announce the next book in our book group. Continuing in the genre of memoir, we've picked the brilliant, beautifully written memoir, I Am, by the legendary designer Isaac Mizrahi. Yes, we love this book. It's a story of family, fashion, and passion. It's funny and poignant and thought-provoking. I read it. Elizabeth read it. Our mother read it. You can read about all the glamour of his life, all the fabulous names, and you also read about what's happening behind that glamour. So start your reading, and we'll talk about the book in December when we'll have Isaac Mizrahi here in the studio to talk about the book. I am, which, great title. I'm, great title for a memoir. Can't wait. Um, And this week, Elizabeth, our Try This at Home tip is to buy some happiness. Yeah, Gretchen, we've touched on this topic many times because you talk about different ways that spending money can bring about more happiness. It's fun to think about in the context of secondhand September, which just passed. We talked about this a lot on Happier in Hollywood, which is about not buying things and how that can make you happier. But of course, the opposite of the truth (laughs) is also true. Yes, buying things can make you happier, not buying things can happier. Well, I think that sometimes we don't think enough about how we could spend money wisely and get some happiness from it. Because while it is true that we can't buy happiness, we can buy many things that contribute mightily to happiness if we do it wisely and we make good choices with how we spend our money. Yeah, and Gretchen, as you mentioned in our intro, when we were young and didn't have any money, our parents (laughs) would pay for us to visit each other. So they would give us money for plane tickets, train tickets, you know, however it was that we got to each other. And it did make us see each other more often. Yeah. And it really did foster our relationship at that time when we were sort of not under the same roof anymore. And having that money definitely made a difference because it just made it possible for us to travel when otherwise we probably would not have been able to. Another great way to buy some happiness, Jamie just did this. So we just had our 25th wedding anniversary, which of course is like the huge silver anniversary. Congratulations. And we did nothing. But like, I should say I did nothing. And Jamie called me that day and he's like, I feel so bad that we haven't done anything. And I was like, oh yeah. And then like he called later. He's like, I really feel bad. And he's like, I thought we could go out for a really nice dinner. But then I thought you would rather go to the magic show. (laughs) He knows that I read this book by Darren Brown, who's this famous English magician, this book called Tricks of the Mind, which is an excellent book. And so I'd been talking about Darren Brown. And he has a show on Broadway now called Secret. And so Jamie got us tickets for it. And so this was thoughtful on many levels. It was our anniversary. It showed that he'd been paying attention to something that I'd been talking about. (laughs) I do love magic shows because, you know, I'm working on this book about the five senses. I'm super interested in magicians and kind of how they do their work. And we had this wonderful outing, which he completely took charge of. But, you know, it was going to see a show on Broadway. So that takes money. But then he created this kind of wonderful keepsake experience for us. Well, Gretchen, you know where this applies in my life? And it's interesting because you and I are both underbuyers. Yes, so we, we tend not to buy tickets to things, not yes. to spend money. Well, and I think this is particularly important for underbuyers to think about, which is yes. maybe I do need to push myself to spend because maybe I'm going to get a big boost. Yes. And I will say where this comes to play in my home is Adam is constantly buying plants. Yeah. <laughs> and in your renovated backyard. Yes. And at first I was very taken aback by this because I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of plants. 
And I would ask him, like, how much every single thing costs? Like, oh, this olive tree in a pot. How much was this? How much was that? And it was really kind of a buzzkill when I was constantly grilling him on what he was spending on plants. What I have come to realize, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast, is that these plants have an enormous impact on my happiness. Ah, I am so much happier ah, with all of these plants. Ah, I did not think I was a plant person, yeah. but I am. And now make it a point not to ask how much a plant costs when a new one comes in because they're constantly coming in. <laughs> I've just decided he's an adult. He knows what he can afford to spend on plants. You know, again, as an underbuyer, I wouldn't have even ever gone out and bought plants, but I love that he did and does. And, you know, and you're raising an important point, which is like, you want to do this responsibly. You know, it can't yes. be spending money that you can't afford. And you don't want to spend money on things that are like giving you a big boost in the short term, but don't lead to happiness over the long term. But the thing about a plant is like, that's a long term thing. And it's also, when you think about buy some happiness, it's something that you can do at any level. You can choose your own level like one of the things I tell myself is to indulge in a modest splurge. Mm. So this is for me is like buying a nice set of post-it notes or like a fancy mm -hmm. set of magic markers. It yes. gives you that like, you're like, oh, I, my tools for my everyday life are so much nicer. It just like, you know, beautiful tools make work a joy. And so spending a little bit more money on something like that can actually give a boost. Gretchen, one thing people often comment on about buying happiness is when they pay other people to do their chores. Yeah. Like sometimes it's just worth the money to save the time. Exactly. Exactly. Delora Vanderkam writes about this a lot, about how a lot of times you are better off spending money to have time. And it's also worth thinking about convenience, which is another kind of aspect of time, because when things are convenient, they usually happen more easily or more quickly. And this often makes it easier to keep your good habits. Like you might mm. buy some happiness by paying for a gym that's so much closer to your house that you actually go more often. Or like you're an obliger and it's really hard for you to exercise unless you work out with a trainer. And so you mm. pay for the trainer because that's how you're going to get the exercise and the exercise is going to have this big happiness payoff. And so it's a smart way to pay money to get something that's really going to go to a very important value. Yeah. And then there's also, Gretchen, evaluating like how spending money is going to improve your life. For instance, I think a lot of people worry about paying for a babysitter oh, yes. when they're going to go to dinner yes. and a movie yes. because they think, well, dinner and a movie is not that big of a deal. It's not a Broadway show. It's right. just a movie. And yet I'm going to have to spend all this money on a babysitter. Yeah. It doesn't seem worth it. And so then they don't go out. Right. But I would say, you know, if you can afford the babysitter, think, well, but going to this movie is time with my spouse. Yes. It's time to recharge and rejuvenate. And like, yes, it's not a big deal to see a movie, but it can be a big deal to take that mental break from your life and do something for yourself. So it may be worth more than it seems to be worth. Right. That's an important thing to remember. I think another thing that's important to remember kind of on the flip side is not to mistake the purchase for the use of the thing. Because it's very true that using something or doing something might make you happier 
But if you don't do it, then you aren't using mm. their money wisely. Because like if you pay for yoga classes and you go to yoga, then that might very well boost your happiness. If you pay for yoga classes and you never go, well, then that's not a good solution. You know, it's like if you buy a right. bike and you're like, now I go biking all the time. Excellent. If it just sits in the garage. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it is we have to be realistic. Like, okay, just because I bought a fancy set of kitchen knives, that's not going to mean that I cook. I have to change my mindset as well. The purchases don't necessarily change my behavior. Because spending money on something that turns out to be a waste of money is like a total happiness stumbling block. Yes, absolutely. Money is tricky. Money is tricky. Here's the thing. People often cite research saying, okay, experiences bring more happiness than buying things. And I think that's very clearly true if you're buying like your fifth pair of black boots. But a lot of times things kind of are experiences too, like a camera or a dog Mm -hmm. or like, Alyssa, I remember when you were much younger and you got your first dining room table Mm -hmm. and you were like, this is amazing because now I can have people over and like sit around a table for dinner. For you, the table was more than a table. It represented hospitality. So it was both an object and a possession, but it was also an experience that you could now enjoy. Yes. And of course, Gretchen, buying something for someone else can bring happiness, whether that's for a friend or donating to a cause you believe in or giving someone a good tip. You're a very generous tipper, Elizabeth. And I think that being around you has made me tip more generously, too, because you're like, you know, what? just tip. You know, it's a good way to buy some happiness. And finally, Gretchen, of course, money also buys happiness when it gives us a feeling of security, like paying down debt, building up savings. I mean, that can make us feel calm. So you can think about buying happiness even if you're just putting money in your savings account. (laughs) Yes, that is a way to buy some happiness by not buying and by saving. Yes, absolutely. Let us know if you do try this at home and how buying some happiness works for you. And what did you buy that bought you some happiness? You can let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast.gretchenrubin.com or as always, go to happiercast.com slash 242 for everything related to this episode. And also, if you like this list and want to share it, I have a graphic of it on my my Instagram account that you can share. So follow me at Gretchen Rubin and I will post that list. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack roundup on the topic of taking medication. But first, this break. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretchen, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. And now for a happiness hack roundup. Uh, In a recent episode, we talked about a question from a listener who wanted ideas to help her husband take his daily ADHD medication. 
Now, taking medication regularly is a huge issue for happiness and good health. Research suggests that of the people who are prescribed medication for a chronic condition, about 50% do not take it as prescribed. And not taking this medication can have a huge influence on people's health, their quality of life, their symptoms, their outcomes. It's estimated that about $300 billion of avoidable healthcare costs have been attributed to medication non-adherence annually in the United States. It also turns out that nearly three out of five Americans take at least one medication a day. So this issue, what's called medication adherence, which is just like taking your medicine as prescribed, (laughs) is super complex and important. Yeah, Gretchen, I take several medications a day. Being a type 1 diabetic, I can say that it took a lot of time for me to get into a groove where now I feel like I only miss my medicine like maybe once every three months or so. I mean, Elizabeth, that is one of the challenges of a chronic condition, which is that managing the medication, it sounds like how hard is it to just like take your medicine every day, but it's actually very, very challenging. And like you say, it can take a long time to get into that groove. So listeners had many great ideas to suggest And I think it's great to have a big menu from which to choose because different things will appeal to different people. So it's good to know a bunch so that you can pick and choose the one that you're like, okay, that sounds like something that could work for me. Yeah. Now, several people mentioned apps, which is a great example of how technology can be a happiness booster when used correctly. Brittany suggested using an app called My Therapy App. Uh, She said it helps her take her medication on time. It keeps track of inventory. So, you know, if you've got enough, you can share your tracking. And she says it's, quote, just annoying enough to make sure that I don't forget to actually take what I need. And then Juliet recommends MediSafe. She notes it reminds you even if the phone is on silent. The best part is you can set it up with someone else and they can monitor if you took it or not. Good for an obliger. Yeah. Other apps mentioned included Streaks, which uses the don't break the chain approach if you want to keep that chain going. Mm-hmm. And if that's an approach that works for you, other people mentioned Chains.cc and Don't Break the Chain, which are also kind of chain-based apps. Julia said, the listener mentioned he used the Reminders app, but that didn't help. Here's where I find the snooze button handy. Instead of the Reminders app, I use the Alarms app on my phone. When the alarm goes off, if I haven't done the task, I either have to press snooze or reset the alarm until it's done. The key is to actually press snooze even if you're on the way to go do the task because those of us with ADHD can easily become distracted going from point A to point B. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. And we also got a great voicemail suggestion. Hi, Elizabeth and Gretchen. This is uh, Sarah from the Netherlands. Uh, I wanted to react um, about the problem of the man who needs to take his medicine. I also take ADHD medicines. And I think the best way to remember to take it every day is to put it somewhere that you need to leave the house. So yeah, maybe the car keys, but maybe one day he doesn't take his car, so then he forgets. So maybe in his shoes, but maybe one day he takes other shoes. So maybe his phone will be the best thing. Just tape the pill to your phone. And most people don't leave the house without their phone. So you can choose something that is necessary for you to leave the house. Maybe your keys. I think everyone has one item they always take. So 
That's my uh, advice. I hope uh, this can help. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, it's interesting. I think she's smart to point out that you might get thrown off if like one day you don't take your car, mm-hmm. you somebody else gives you a ride. So how do you think about choosing that thing? One solution, Alyssa, you remember we got this from a listener hack when we were on tour, was someone who was a health coach suggested put the pills in your underwear drawer. Because yes. it's like you're going to go into your underwear drawer, but then you don't go back to your underwear drawer. So it's not like, you know, maybe if you put it in the bathroom, you're like, did I, t-? you know, I've been in and out of here right. a couple of times. She's like, you go to your underwear drawer once and only once. And then her suggestion at night was to buy an oversized pillbox and put it in your pillowcase. Mm, yes, which is also a good idea. Yeah. yeah, she was like, most people don't get to work and say, oh gosh, I forgot to put on underwear. <laughs> so chances are you are going to visit yeah. that underwear drawer. Yes. Gretch, here's a solution from Jess. This might not solve the issue of remembering to take medication, but it's been a great hack for me. Timer caps. I got them first at my pharmacy, but you can also order them online. When you open the bottle, a timer on top automatically resets so you can see how long it's been since you last opened it without you having to do anything. I can't tell you how many times I go to take a daily medication and see that I already took it just five minutes ago. Mm. They're only a couple of dollars each and you can get them in regular or childproof. Well, that's a great idea. I've never even heard of this. Well, the thing that's good about this is he, if because because I think he didn't want to carry it with him because it was that whole issue of like, would you remember if you had taken them or not? So this way, maybe he could keep them with him at all times because his wife was saying how he would like get to the office and then have to come right back. Mm-hmm. Well, because this way he could have them with him at all times, but he wouldn't have to remember if he had taken them. He could just look yes. at the bottle. So that was great. Yes. One thing many listeners pointed to was using the strategy of pairing. And this is when you pair something you want to do or must do with something that you want to get yourself to do like take pills. So like Angel's solution was she doesn't let herself go to the bathroom in the morning until she takes her pill. And she's like, I need to go when I wake up. You know, I'm going to take my pill because I want to be able to do that. I thought that was very funny. Beth sent in a photo showing a caddy that holds toothpaste, toothbrush, and pill bottle. Another approach. Good idea. Yeah. Mary said her hack for taking daily medication is her dog who gets daily allergy medicine. She gets her medicine with a treat, so of course she won't let me forget her medication. I pair my medication with her morning meds. Great idea for pet owners. Yes. And then Kara had one that's mug-based. This will appeal to you, Elizabeth, as Ah. an aficionado of mugs. Kara writes, your listener could put his medication under an upside down coffee mug in front of the machine. He'd have to touch the mug to put coffee in it, revealing the bottle, which would prevent the fading into the background problem. Then after he takes it, he could put the next day's mug over the bottle to start the cycle over. This requires owning a minimum of two mugs, but that's a baseline I think most coffee drinkers can meet. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is a very good idea. Yeah, that's like a twist on the coffee machine thing. So this is great, listeners. This was excellent because it is one of these daily challenges that can have enormous consequences for us over the long term because so many of these daily medications really can contribute overall to our health. And any one day, you're like, what's one day? But faithfully taking this medication can really make a big happiness difference in the long term. So thank you. Thanks, everyone. And now it's time for a listener question. As always, leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336, or send us an email or a voice memo to podcast at GretchenRubin.com. 
And this week's question comes from Lizzie. She says, I have a question about staving off obliger rebellion in a spouse or loved one. My husband is an obliger and I'm a questioner who leans upholder. We have two young kids and both work full time. I'm pretty good about getting lots accomplished while not giving more time than I have to give. My husband, also pretty accomplished and a wonderful husband and father, is a quintessential obliger. He's meeting everyone's expectations, but struggles with setting boundaries and carving out space for himself. His work has been turning up the heat in terms of deadlines and pressure and expectations, and he's starting to show signs of a coming obliger rebellion. My best friend's husband blew up their decades-plus marriage seemingly out of the blue, and what I can now see was likely an obliger rebellion stemming from outside pressures, so I am particularly sensitive to this. I am trying to take some household responsibilities off my husband's plate and have said I would take the kids for an evening adventure once a week to give him time to himself, but he said if he doesn't have to do an evening daycare pickup, he'd probably just stay at work. I'd love ideas to help him get a break. Should I tell him that I need him to do X, acts of self-care because I need him to take care of himself, or do I convince him to leave work even if it's only to honor a commitment to himself? Should I add weekly date nights to our calendar, or would they feel like external expectation? As a questioner, I'm struggling a little because I also don't like telling people what to do in this way or making demands that aren't necessarily true demands. So this is fascinating. First of all, I think she's very, very wise as a spouse to be sensitive to brewing obliger rebellion. This is something where it's much easier to stave off obliger rebellion than to stop it mm. once it starts. So she's trying to get in front of this. It's also very typical that as a questioner herself, also this would be true if she were an upholder, questioners and upholders typically don't like to provide accountability for others. It's very hard for them. They feel like it just feels like, well, why am I your babysitter? It just doesn't feel mm -hmm. comfortable to them. And as a spouse, as we've often said, spouses often don't make good accountability partners. So what does she do? One thing is the obliger rebellion is coming from the work sphere. So while it's smart for her to be thinking about what she could do at home, she might also really want to help him focus on how can he set better limits at work? Mm. Whether that's by, you know, saying to a boss, like, you know, I've made a commitment to be home at a certain time, so I have to meet my commitment to my family. Whether it's working with another obliger to say, I just asked to be on this committee. Do you think I should say yes? And like consulting with somebody else, especially an obliger, like, do you think this is reasonable? Because a lot of times somebody else will be like from the outside, they'll say, clearly this isn't reasonable. So never just say yes, stall for time and ask someone else. Those are a couple of things. My question is, can you plan a sick day? That might be controversial, but Ooh. maybe just say <laughs> you need a mental health day. Yeah. And she could encourage him to just take a little time for himself. Yeah, that could work. Like feeling like you're having a break like that. And that also kind of has an obliger rebellion aspect to it. Mm -hmm. She could surprise him with leisure because he's like, well, I would just stay late and work. That's so obliger. That's like, if I'm not meeting this expectation, I'm going to meet that other expectation because they're both coming from the outside. But so like he is like ready to be on duty and she surprises him and says, you thought you were on duty, but actually I'm taking over. And so now you're free. So mm -hmm. then it feels kind of like kind of illicit and decadent and unexpected. Another thing is to think about the future self is like, you know, to say to him very frankly, like, I feel like you're coming up on this. And if we want to think about your future self, my future self, the future self of all of us, we need to make changes now because I feel like things are setting us up for things going wrong in the future. Some obligers are sensitive to the future self. Some are not. Mm. 
One thing she could do because she mentioned date nights is to have date nights, but where you don't necessarily have to be on a, you know, a date. For instance, you could both go get massages. Adam and I do that sometimes. So it's not like a couple's massage where we're in the same room. We just go to a place and we both go off and get our massages and it's self-care for both of us. Well, this reminds me that I think this was years ago. A listener had this, I forget what she called it, but something like chill night or something like that. And they didn't have a date night, but it was like a night when they officially both did something by themselves. And so like yes. if he wants to play video games, it's his night to play video games. And if you want to binge watch Stranger Things, it's your night to binge watch. But the idea is like, if he doesn't take his leisure, you don't get your leisure. So mm. of course he's like, well, I have to play my video games because otherwise my wife is going to feel like she should be working or she should be doing something constructive. But so again, it's like your thing. It's sort of a date night, but a self date night because going yes. out for date night, that's not something maybe that is going to give you that feeling of just recharging along your own lines. Or it's like, okay, well, this is your night to go for a run. And then on a different night, that's my night to go to a yoga class. But I'm going to feel like I can't go to yoga if you don't go for your run. So you have to meet that expectation in order for me to meet my expectation. And probably as an obliger, he's going to be like, well, I don't want to deprive her of her recharging activity. And so I'm going to have to do mine so this system stays in place. Yes. So good luck. I think this is a very caring, insightful wife. Yes, you get a huge gold star for being a very insightful wife. But I would love to hear from other obligers or people who have been like married or have sweethearts who are obligers who have been in this situation because understanding obliger rebellion and how to protect against obliger rebellion is tricky and complicated and very important. So I'm always interested to hear what people have to say. So thank you for that excellent question, Lizzie. Yes. Coming up, Gretchen has a demerit that made me laugh first this break. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up with this week's happiness demerit. This is the weirdest demerit. Like, I don't know where this came from, but lately... Maybe this is TMI. Um, I have just stopped remembering to zip up my pants when I come out of the bathroom. I don't know what I mean. I like, saw this happen in Kansas City. You were like, oh, I forgot to zip up my pants. What happened? Again. I mean, this is the craziest thing. Like for decades and decades and decades, I would say, you know, ever since childhood, I have been successfully zipping up my pants. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm forgetting to do this. Like, what is happening to me? I like, I hope this isn't like the thin end of some terrible wedge, but it's just, just all of a sudden be like, you know what? I forgot to zip up my pants. I think it means you just have too much going on. Gretch. I mean, come you, your on. mind come is cluttered. On. Talk about clearing clutter. I think your mind is cluttered. I, I mean, clear. Yes, my mind is cluttered, but I think my level could still have room for pants zipping. So I'm hoping that by articulating this demerit, it will help me to just like jog my kind of semi unconscious to be like, OK, stay on the pants thing because you know, it's silly. It's a oh silly, dumb gosh. thing to do. That made me laugh. Okay. Yeah. Well, take a step. What's your gold star? <laughs> okay. I have a gold star for two moms in Jack's class. Every year in the elementary, we go on a class trip together. So it's a weekend. We've gone to Palm Springs. We often go to this place called El Capitan, which is glamping in Santa Barbara. And mm. that's where we went this year. And two moms, Jill and Melina, organized the trip this year and it was an insane amount of work. They made it so that like all the meals were provided and there were activities and it was tons of fun. But I mean, they really had to just work like dogs to get all of this done, not just before the trip, but also 
throughout the weekend. I mean, they didn't really get to relax and have fun at all. But it was such a great weekend. And these are both really busy women, as we all are. So I just give Jill and Melina big gold stars for creating an awesome weekend. It's really appreciated. I'm in awe because I could just (laughs) never do something like that. So gold stars. Excellent. Gold stars. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Buy some happiness. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you and what you bought that brought you some happiness. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. You can now purchase my video course about the four tendencies in my app, the Better app. Search your app store for Better Gretchen Rubin, download the app, set up a free account, and look in the menu for courses. You can complete the course in five weeks in about 15 to 20 minutes a day or go at your own pace. Also, you may be wondering, hey, what was that promo code from your advertiser? When you use the promo code, you support the podcast. We sort of get credit for that. You know we love those gold stars. And so it really helps us if you use the promo code. And due to popular demand, we have created a page on my website that has just all the promo codes, all the links to the podcast sponsors. The link will be in the show notes, or you can always go to happiercast.com slash sponsors, and you will get that sponsor information. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Um, did you skip the part where you say uh, if you like the show, tell a friend? Yeah, I did, but I, I think it's fine without it. They they know by now. Yeah, <laughs> people have gotten that message uh, <laughs> two hundred and forty times. We'll give them a day off. From the Onward Project. <laughs>